Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Something hit me during worship today as they were singing a phrase that I think Jesus really embodied, and that is that time is an illusion. You know, I was, um, I flipped over to John, one of, the, one of my favorite things that he said, which is pretty much everything written in red. But the Pharisees were cornering him, saying that he was doing miraculous things by demonic power, which is just ridiculous, because he was helping people. And um, he was so stealth, you know, all the time. Nobody really truly knew who he was even his disciples until close to the end. And even then they were still just figuring out the reality of this, the embodiment of Yahweh walking amongst them, who had been amongst them, who had won. And um, he was talking to the Pharisees and he said something in John 8:56. He said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. And this... This, on the, um, on the anger meter, took them up quite a bit pretty high. It ticked them off pretty good. You know. You're not even 50 years old. You said you've seen Abraham? And technically he said Abraham had seen him. But, you know, uh, same thing. You know what I'm saying? So interesting. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. <laughs> that's somebody who they derive their lineage from. The father of our faith, you know, is, is, is what it's called in James. And Jesus is literally saying, this 32, three-year-old man standing there saying like, yeah, he actually saw the, the unfolding plan which is happening before your eyes, which none of you guys are hip to yet, and he was sure happy about it. <laughs> They're just like, what? Again, Here's a human being, again, 33-ish years old, sitting there saying, like, saying thousands of years back, I had an interaction where I revealed myself to this patriarch of yours. Time and space doesn't really mean much to him. He's outside of it, you know. Acting like he existed that long ago, but we understand that he did. Because he was at the beginning. The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. But also the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. How was he God and with God? You know what I'm saying? They didn't understand this great, as we've been covering, this great mystery that was before them, that was reconciling all men to himself. And it's, just, it's so beautiful. But man, you, you, th- you think they got angry right there. The next sentence is, is the, that's the bang, bang. That's, that's what took it to, to the rage mode. You're not even 50 years old. And to which he says, most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was, I am. You know. And he, and he gives them that name. Who, who am I supposed to say? Who are you? I am that I am. You know, he, he gives them this other name of one of their other great heroes that God revealed himself to. And he calls him this, the I am. The, the Yahweh is embodied. Before Abraham was, I am. I was actually not even with him. I was before him. And it, this is funny because 
At this level, they took up stones to throw at him. But it says Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them. So he didn't hide himself by like ducking into a trap door or, you know, running, you know. He literally went through the midst of them, but he was able to cloak himself before their eyes, you know. Remember when he told the disciples about how he was going to die. But he says, he wanted to make it clear, like, I'm laying my life down. Nobody takes it from me. Just so y'all know. This isn't a loss. It'll look like a loss to you guys. But I'm laying it down, and I'm going to take it up again. Yeah, that's one of the most gangster things that he's ever said as well. But it's just like, hey, they took up stones to throw at him, and he hit himself, and he walked right through them, and nobody, nobody was even able to see him. You know, we have movies about Jedi mind tricks. You know, these aren't the droids you're looking for and stuff like that, you know. He was pulling that kind of stuff like, whoom. It wasn't his time yet. But he sure was stirring the pot, all the while revealing himself to billions of people because all this is going to be recorded. Such a beautiful thing. The Pharisees tried to trap him. Remember that in Luke 17? I think that's really a funny... The Pharisees tried to trap him. Like, that's pretty much anywhere you find them talking to him. But Luke 17, they were asking him, when is the kingdom of God going to come? And he said something very interesting. Speaking of somebody who's uh, uh, outside of time and space and doesn't see time as something that limits him. He says, he was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God will come, Luke 17, 20. And he said, the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. Basically, that word with, with lying in wait, observing for something to actually happen. So when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? But the second portion, the verse 21, the very next verse, is the real hitter of that verse. It doesn't come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. That's wild. Well, maybe these were the good Christian Pharisees that had already been baptized and filled with the Spirit, right? No, that's a joke. It's okay. Uh, but it's just like, no. But he tells them that it's actually within you. And I want to be like, tap them on the shoulder. Hey, buddy, these are the bad guys. It's not within them. It's within us, remember? <laughs> to which he would say, like, no, you're, you're of a fallen view. I don't see mankind this way. You know? They were in me before the foundations of the earth. They're backwards right now. They're trying to trap me and attack me. But what they are doing is reciting, a, causing me to recite a bunch of things for you to write down for millions of people to see for the rest of mankind. It's like this, this beautiful reality of like, how, how are we going to see it? It doesn't come. It's actually inside of you guys. Even the ones that were fighting against them, it's already there. It's within you. What does that mean? It is within you. It's on the inside. And it's up to man to let that reality out because of this covenant reality that Jesus was going to accomplish. And if you can see it, he had been crucified before the foundations of the earth. That's what Revelation 1 says, isn't it? It's like, what? How, well, wait a second. Now he hadn't been to the cross yet, but before the foundation of the earth, this was reality? Well, that means God's mind was settled before the foundation of the earth and his heart was settled. Well, that's absolutely true, but what if it just means that time and space doesn't matter? It's just an illusion. Yeah. I, I know it's bizarre, sounding um, but it sounds like Jesus was always speaking like this and so are his disciples you know Isaiah 53 verse 4 that's a really beautiful uh, 
prophecy written by this great prophet who is anointed and led of the Spirit of God to write these things. And, and he says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Hundreds of years before Jesus was ever even born of a, of a woman. You know what I mean? Like he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. What? This is before he ever set off. This isn't, Calvary's not around. Like, they're not doing any of these things. It's like, this is speaking about something to come as if he has borne our griefs and our sorrows. You know? I love that. Yet we esteemed him stricken and spitten by God and afflicted. That means we didn't, we didn't see the beautiful plan of recovery. And that's still the way it is today. We've taken this fallen view and spliced God because of the knowledge of good and evil, made one good and one evil, and one of them is the one smitten by God and punished by God, and, and the wrath of God's poured on him because he's holding it back from man. You know what I'm saying? We, we esteemed him smitten by God, but in reality, that was the Father reconciling mankind to himself. It was a divine plan of love that, that, was, that was to reverse all of the poison that ever came through that knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, buddy. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace. Peace with God. No, no longer working to get something that we've already been freely given. Eat this and then you'll be like God. Hey, buddy. I'm already the one creating the image of God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and by his wounds we're healed. Hmm. I love Peter, right? Peter says you have it outside of time and space. 1 Peter 2.24. He quotes that Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, but he, he changes it slightly. He doesn't say with his wounds we are healed. He says he himself bore our sins on his own body on the tree, having, that we, having died to sins, might live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. He doesn't say we, he says you. It's like he's writing this letter and he's like, hey, take this personal. Selah. Imagine if we meditate on that reality. There's no, there's no getting around a verse like that or any of the other ones that I'll say today. But it's like he bore his sins on our body on the tree. Yeah, he, we, we believe this. Having died to sins, we might live to righteousness. We can put to death those members of fornication, lewdness, uncleanness, anger, wrath, all these things that Paul also said. You know, we can live righteous and by whose stripes we were healed. Imagine that. Imagine truly believing by the stripes of the Lord Jesus, I've been made completely whole. There's nothing of the fall. There's nothing that comes in through the lineage of the fall that legally has right to take hold in my body nor my family's. Well, some people, well, that would be a contradiction because I have this, I have this condition or this, you know. It's not, it's not saying that those things aren't reality in the here and now, but it is attaching ourselves to something that is outside of time and space that says, by stripes, you were actually healed. And so here's the quagmire or the dilemma. It's just like, how do I take that which was and is to be my reality in this 
place and in this time. And it's just like, wow, dude. What these guys are tapping into, this, this outside of... Uh, Peter says it again, 2 Peter 3.8. Forget, don't forget this one thing, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. It's like, what is that? He's saying time doesn't matter worth, worth a flip, man. I don't, I don't know that's exactly how he says it, but you, you, you catch what I'm saying? It's like, the, understand that with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years, or what day. Like, he's like, time doesn't matter. This is not an issue for him. What you think would take a thousand years to accomplish, he could do it in a single day. It's, it's never been about the limitations that have been set in this plastic world. You know what I mean? It's actually tapping in by faith to the reality of the kingdom of heaven, which is outside of the laws of the physics of this plastic dimension. You know, it's true. You have these, you know, mark, you know, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, Jesus said this in Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And I'm like, well, wait a second, man. How do you wrap your brain around that? If I'm asking for something, it's because I don't have it, you know? But he says, when you ask for something, actually believe that you do have it, and then it will be yours. I'm in the back of the class, like, hey, buddy, like, but, but I'm asking for it, which means I don't have it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so why does Jesus in red letters in the Bible talk like this the entire time? And even the ones that are attacking to him, hey, it's not about the fact that you guys are playing for the other team, Pharisees. You're trying to trap me so you can throw me in jail, and I'm telling you, hey, the kingdom's already within you. It's just like, wait, ah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's up to you, let it out. So if you ask what, if you believe what you're asking for, believe that you receive it, it will be yours. There's something to taking your faith and putting it in the right place. The reality of what he has done and seeing it as done in a way that ushers it into this reality. Amen. You know, this isn't, you know, this isn't one of those weird retreats where you go for a week and you sit on the beach half naked, you know, and on Instagram or one of these, you know, gurus or something. And like, yeah, let's just believe stuff, man. <laughs> Take drugs and all this stuff. It's like, this is Jesus' words and this is faith throughout the entire Bible. Yeah. You know. You know what I think is interesting? I thought of this this morning because... Uh, you know, speaking of Jesus, John 14, 14, saying, asking anything in my name and I will do it. That's not just some random thing that you want. It literally says, anything in my name, like the name of the Lord is the will of God, the person, the nature, the plan, the mission, something that's in alignment with who he truly is and consider it done in this reality on earth as it is in heaven. That's, it's, all, it's all coherent. It all goes together. But in Revelation you know, if you look at like the book of Revelation 3 and 4, it's like Jesus is showing up in all these different forms and John's writing this stuff down and giving these messages to all these churches. Some people, some people believe it's church ages, some people's literal churches, some people, you know, there's, there's, there's merit to a lot of that stuff. But um, everybody knows, almost all of them get a rebuke as well as an encouragement. But the last one, which a lot of people will consider us to be in now, but I think it's not necessarily the case, but it's the, the church of Laodicea, right? And everyone knows, oh, that's the lukewarm church. Or some people, that's the Western church. It's like, man, it ain't the Western church, dude, come on. But it's like, oh, that's the lukewarm church because these things 
and, and, he, and he, he talks about being lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, and I could vomit you out, you know, because you think that you're rich and you're wealthy and you're basically, I, you don't have need for anything. And so you're, you're so satisfied in life that you have, no, you have no connection to me. You've completely left the love of your heart, like this true gospel, this true truth. Um, it's the system of religion and all these things. But it's interesting, the way he reveals himself, he calls them, these things say the amen, the faithful and true witness. But I love that. He called himself the amen. I'm the amen. These things say the amen. Which is like, that's, how, that's, that's the agreement of the name of the Lord. Like the amen. Like that's, that's asking anything in my name. It's like, to me, that prophetic picture is, there, is like, hey, I am the availability of heaven that you can come into agreement with. But you're so comfortable in life and you've been brainwashed to think you can't do this. That you're literally like the Pharisees, either just waiting for the kingdom to come, or you've been convinced that it's just somewhere you're going to go when you die, and so you live how you want, and go to buffet after after Sunday service or whatever, listen to Hillsong music all day, you know. I don't know too much, but uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. Like he's like, I'm the Amen. It's like this reality of Christianity, asking things in my name, is like you being conformed into my image and coming to this agreement of the Father's will. Let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven and living by the Spirit in this life in a way that you affect the culture instead of just blending in with it. And even the Christianese church culture, it's become its own culture. You know what I'm saying? You can spot it from a mile away. I can because I'm, I'm allergic to it, but it's just one of those things. It's like it's a, it's a vibe. You know what I'm saying? But the culture of heaven is entirely different, man. It is entirely different, and it is not subject to the limitations of this, of the fallen state of this planet. It's just not. It lives outside of it. And it lives under the acceptance of wholeness, right? And the message isn't like, you're going to go to hell if you don't join my club. The, the message is this this. Life of being a living letter, an epistle from God that is exemplary, that is, that, is, that is a manifestation, not only for ourselves, that people see us and say, hey, I want what you have. I want what you have. I recognize it. I recognize that. You know, and it's not chemical or it's not, it's not you know, it's not a, a liquid, something you're drinking and, 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 and the fake version of peace and the fake version of joy. And, you know, some people can't can't dance until they've had at least three drinks you know what i'm saying because they love to dance and they love to have fun but it's just like they can't they're so insecure i can't i can't get down like that i can't get the the legs don't move until i've had a few but it's, it, but it's like they can't freely be themselves and express express joy in life unless they've self-medicated and that is a condition of the entire world not dancing but you know just a, that's kind of a parable but kind of dancing too you know what i mean and and um you know, you think about David dancing around till his clothes were flying all over the place, which you will get thrown out of here for that. Not for the dancing part, but if it gets naked, it's like, hey, buddy, that's, that's too much. You know better than that. You know better than that. <laughs> Come on, dude. Don't be religious and use that old David verse now. Come on now. Come on, girl. It ain't like that. Uh, you know what I mean? But it's just like when his, his girl was so mad at him for that, he's like, you've seen nothing. You know? But in the presence of the Lord, you can't, you can't control your, you can't, like, the expression of love, thankfulness, and joy, it's like, it's, it's not limited around them. You know what I mean? Like, it will, it will unlock you to not care what a single person thinks in the entire planet. It's true. 
just being around him, the essence of freedom being around him causes you to be that way. It's like people, we don't even know who we are or what we look like. And I love that song. Everything you are is who I want to be. It's like, it's the reality of like everything we see in him we can have because we were created in his image. I would say it's, it's probably one of the, it's one of the, um, I don't know how I would say the slogans of the Tyler House of Faith, you know, it's something, and I read it actually this week, but the 2 Corinthians 3.18 about we are literally transformed as we see him, right? It says in verse 3, 3.16 of 2 Corinthians, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's like once we even turn and accurately face this one, the one in whose image we've been created, the veil is taken away. The veil of misconception, the veil of grids, the veil of all the ways we've seen God, the filter, the way we've seen God, all of our experiences, all of our mean football coaches or track coaches or, or the mean girls from high school or the, you know, whoever it was that tried to groom us to be a certain way or not. It's just like, but when, when that stuff's taken away and we're not seeing him through that filter, that tainted filter of the way we've been afraid of him, you know, and, and we see him as he truly is, altogether lovely, altogether kind, whole, ex- accepting by the Spirit. Doesn't that what Romans 8 literally says about this Holy Spirit that's been given to us by the Spirit has been given to us? That on the inside of us, you know, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. The function of the Holy Spirit in our life, not to condemn, not to convict, We've done that very thoroughly over the past few weeks. But Romans 8, 16, he bears witness that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then we're actually heirs. It's just like he is, he's the spirit of adoption, as it said, or the spirit of total acceptance, how that's better translated. The spirit of completely welcome home. I'm in you and you're in me. This reality of the fathering of God that's actually leading us into the to position us in, in this life, everywhere we go, to be fruitful and multiply, to, to attract people, not to ourselves, but to Him. Because we've, what we've got is working. And it's real. It says the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's it, man. 2 Corinthians 3.17, He, the Lord, is the Spirit. And that's Paul saying the Lord what I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not little g. The Son is not little g, and the Spirit is not little g. This is God. Right? John 14, 15, 16. All we see is this interchangeability of Father, Son, and Spirit. It's hard to see who's who and what's what, but it's God. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This bearing witness with our spirit from Romans 8, that we are the children of God, that's how it works. From Romans 8 to 2 Corinthians 3.18, it's like we are transformed as we behold the Lord Jesus and we see Him as He truly is that unlocks these these veils, these preconceived notions, these wrong attributes that we've wrongly placed on God, we see Him as He is, and by seeing Him as He is, by beholding Him, we are transformed to reflect the same image. We're the only religion, we're the only religion that we are transformed 
not even just by knowledge, it's somewhat like knowledge because we see him as he is and it, and, and, and it removes old knowledge, but we're transformed by the one whom we see, by seeing him as he truly is. It unlocks us. Yeah, it's true. And this is done by the Spirit of the Lord, the one in whom cries out, Abba, Father. It's like it's always, it's all together. It's all together and it all functions and works together to create in us as these living epistles. It's funny because 2 Corinthians 3 literally is talking about that. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 2, like, you know, 16 verses earlier, it says, You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. He's literally talking about apostles, how like they would have to like send out letters a lot of times, letters of, con of, of commendation. Commendation, like, so like, this is a real apostle, this is a real person, which is, honestly, that's how the religious machine works now. A bunch of people give a bunch of titles to each other. This guy's a prophet, this guy's a prophet, this guy's an apostle. Wow, it's interesting. Your whole crew has titles. And I don't believe not a single one of them, but we might have to edit that out, brother. No, maybe not. Who cares? It's a machine. Heck with it, man. Look, but he's like, yeah, there's all these letters of commendations, but he's like, we don't need letters of commendation. You guys are those. I love that. Jesus said, go make disciples. Paul's like saying, hey, I made disciples. We made disciples. You guys are letters of, of commendation. You are epistles written on our hearts, read by all. And then he even goes on in verse 3 and says it even more. Clearly, you're an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, on tablets, not, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That's the heart. He's like, your life. Remember we've been talking about that this summer? It's like, our life is a message, and we are messengers. It's the angels, but it's also the messengers of John 1.51. When Jesus said that, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He was talking about, I'm the go-between into the holy place, into the heavens. You will ascend, and you will descend. You will be the messengers that goes into the heavens and comes out of the heavens into the earth and releases its reality for other people to see. That's what the whole thing's about. That's what the Lord's Prayer is about. That's what my, my broken message is always going to be about. It's like, it's, it's, uh, it, is always, it is always what it's been. And it's, we change and transform into these messengers as we see him as he truly is. It's all about beholding. John the Baptist, behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. All right, he takes it away. How? What do we have to do? Like, that's not what I said, buddy. I said, behold him. He's the one that takes it away. But don't we got to do some works? Sacrifice something like, no, he's actually the lamb. He takes away the sin of the world. Well, what do I got to do, though? We got to do something. Got to eat this fruit. Then we'll be like God, right? Like, no, that's the trick. Well, what do I got to do? You got to behold it. You just got to look at it. Just look at it. Would you look at that? Just look at it, right? Chip Diamond's cousin. Look at it. He's like, all you got to do is look at it. It's like, yeah, you have to behold it, and it will affect you. It's real. It's real. When you see it, it'll actually transform you from the inside out. But I got to do something. Faith without works is dead. It's like, no, no, no. It's like when you see it, it'll transform you and you walk this thing. This reality will be walked out in faith and in works and in your life. It'll be proven by the way you live. It'll transform you. Amen. That's what it's always been, man. Right? Was Jesus talking to Nicodemus in John 3? Don't you love that conversation? He's trying to tell him about like those who are born of the Spirit. It's like, 
the wind blows where it wishes and nobody knows where it's coming or where it's going from. And it's just like, hey, those, are born by, those who are born by the Spirit will be like this. Well, what does that mean? It's like, yeah, it's not conventional, but people are called to live their lives by the shepherd's voice and following him in everywhere that he has for them. Like, it's a completely different walk and it's unconventional, but it'll cause you to be fruitful and to multiply and we'll subdue the darkness over this world. Yeah. And Nicodemus is sweating. His brain is sweating and swelling a little bit. And he says, yeah, like, you know how Moses pulled up that little, that bronze serpent, that snake in the wilderness. Remember that? Yeah. And like, yeah, well, what's that got to do with anything? It's like, yeah, but people were able to look at it and the poison came out of them from the snake bites. It's like, that's the son of man will be lifted up. Draw him into myself, you know. God, God loves the world. He sent his only son, the only begotten monogenes, like this one of a kind son. One that's like none other. Yeah. And he's going to be lifted up just like that serpent was lifted up. And that took out the poison. Well, I'm going to take the whole poison out that came in through the fall. It's going to be a big deal. And nobody knows about it but Cousin John, apparently, at that point in that stage. And um, it's brilliant. But it's outside of time and space. I'll close with that. It's following the Lord in our life is absolutely everything. Trusting Him with our life is absolutely everything. Listening to His voice and realizing like He's wanting us to know Him and, and actually walk with Him, led of His Spirit. And His Spirit, which is crying out Abba within us, which is inside of us to um, bear witness with our spirit. In other words, to fully convince us of our, of our position as sons and daughters of God. All the doubt and unbelief is, well, I'm unworthy. He's like, he, he's there to do away with that. And in doing that, he's searching, he is, he is manifesting Jesus to us in such a way that we see him as he is and we're transformed into that same image by him, by that same spirit. And it's always been this way. Even way back in the tabernacle days, man, they had a, they had a little menorah, the sevenfold candlestick in the tabernacle because it was pitch black. And on one side of the tabernacle, the priests had, had those candlesticks. And on the other side, they had the showbread. And the only way they could see what they were eating was by those little candlesticks. And it's always been that. It's the sevenfold spirit of God in Revelation. It's the spirit of God. And it illuminates the word for us to see Jesus as he is. And that transforms everything. It's not about knowledge. It's about seeing Jesus. You know? And he's through the entire thing. And he's over there outside of time and space saying, hey, like, don't feel the pressures of this world and of this life. Like, where I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to get to where I'm called, all my destiny and all these things. Like, with the Lord, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. He can work stuff out in our lives if we choose to set down the anxiety and fear which so easily steers us and trust in his goodness and follow him step by step. He will unlock everything that needs to be unlocked. He will put you in every relationship and He will steer you out of every relationship that you're not supposed to have. If you listen. If you don't, you get where you're going, but, you know, it's better to listen to Him these days. Yeah. Closing it up. Exodus 33. Something we've talked about, something that's very important. But it's something, just like Abraham saw, he wanted to see my day and he saw it and he was glad. Moses saw the same thing, something very similar. And it was when Moses was going through life, his life is amazing. 
It's funny too, if you read the whole story. It's a real character. But when God was selecting him to bring his people up out of Egypt and he was leading them across the wilderness, you know, and, and like the Bible says stuff about Moses, like Moses talked to God like a man face to face, you know. And Moses' face would glow when he'd come off the mountain and people would be afraid of him, so he had to put that veil, which is why the, the Apostle Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 3, 3 the way he wrote it, talking about without a veil, because the glory that Moses actually consumed by seeing God, he reflected it to the people. He was saying, hey, like, hey, we're called to walk in something that's greater than Moses walked in, and this glory-to-glory glory reality is his nature being transferred onto us and out to the people, but not in a way that scares people, in a way that shows people God. And... You know, so Moses has this really incredible connection, but he was dealing with such fear in his life constantly. And the, Moses was honest with God. A lot of people don't even feel like they can be honest with him, which it like stunts relationship if you can't be vulnerable or honest with somebody. But the, uh, Moses was honest with God, and, and he's like, hey, listen, you're telling me to bring these people up, but you have not let me know who you're going to send with me. He felt really alone. He's like, you know, my brother's going to help me talk, you know. Exodus 33, 12, 13, he's like, I pray if I found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you, that I might find grace in your sight and consider this nation is your people. And that's something beautiful, man, because there's something about knowing the Lord that causes you to reflect Him. But it's not just knowing Him like head knowledge. There's something about knowing somebody's ways that is so much higher than just knowing, their, knowing them. To know somebody's way is like to know them in a personal, real level. And he's like, show me your way. And God spoke back to Moses because he's always kind and patient. It's his nature. And he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. How beautiful is that? But man, Moses was still scared. He says, it's kind of like, my presence will go with you. Can you imagine God telling you that? And then he's like, well... But if your president doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. <laughs> like, hey, now, like, that's nice of you to say that, but if you're not going to follow through, don't, 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 don't even call me out now. Don't call me to do this. And I think people, it's, it's written this way for us who are follow, choosing to follow the Lord, but sometimes there's a hitch, like, because ah, there's, there's, that, there's that bipolar deity, that, that half good, half bad, yin-yang symbol of a god. And we're like, yeah, but he might be saying that, but he's going he's gonna to string me out to make a mistake. Or maybe I haven't heard him enough because I haven't only, only prayed for an hour and eight minutes today. It wasn't an hour and 15 like yesterday. So, or, you know, maybe, maybe I haven't read it. You know, we, we think all these ways. But God doesn't say like, hey, I just told you that and you're doubting me to my face. I'll strike you down. Like a football coach would say. He's like, how? For how will, I, how will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight unless you go with us? So the Lord says to him basically again. He says, hey, I'm going to do what you've asked. For you found grace in my sight and I know you by name. So then he leans up like, hey, buddy. I know you. I'm going to do what you've asked. He's gentle with them. He's kind to them. Then Moses says, <laughs> I guess this really kicked him into another gear. He goes, Please show me your glory. Would you show me your glory? This is the glow from glory to glory that we're talking about in 2 Corinthians 3.18. This is the glow of, of the living epistles that we're all called to be, the message we're all called to carry. Show me your glory, please. Show me what it looks like. And I've been raised, I've been around Pentecostals, Pentecostal, you know, all that 
charismatic type of stuff. So it's like, the, 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 the glory, brother. It looks like golden honey, and it's all these things. I've heard all these things that didn't make sense to me my whole life, my whole life, my whole Christian life, 20 years. But he's like, show me your glory, Lord. And what God says to him is so beautiful. I will make my goodness pass before you and proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll have compassion to whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face. For no one can see me and live. And here's a place by me. You'll stand on this rock. And it will be my, while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you will see my back. But my face shall not be seen. And I thought, that's interesting, dude. That's so interesting. He's like, well, please go with me. I'm afraid. I'm going to go with you. But if you don't, don't mess with me, man. It's going to look bad. It's going to, it's going to end bad. Da, 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 da. So, hey, buddy, I'm going to go. I told you I'm going to go. I'm going to do as you say. Um, this is for my name. Like, I'm bringing you out. Okay. Would you show me your glory? Would you show me what your glory's like? I will. I will. I'll make my goodness pass before you. Show me your glory. I'll make my goodness, goodness pass before you. What is the glory of God? The goodness of God. You know what I mean? Show it to me. All right, I will. I'll, show, I'll make my goodness pass before you. I'll make my glory pass before you. I mean my goodness. I mean my glory. You know what I mean? It's like he, he gives him what he's asked for. He's, I'm going to make my goodness to pass before you. You can't see my face. No one can see my face and still live. Hmm. What is that? Yeah, we've been crucified with him. You know what I mean? To truly see him is to lose your old identity. Accurate, you know? You see him as he truly is. You are no longer anything you thought you were. You were created in his image and you truly become alive. That's baptism, you know? The whole baptism thing is I've been crucified with Christ. I've been buried with him. And, and it's no longer I who live. This, uh, this is the real me before the foundation of the earth, the one designed of him. Everything I once was, that's not alive anymore. That's not me, you know? Mm -mm. That was everything that I inherited in Adam. I disinherit and now I inherit back my true father. This adoption, this total acceptance, this spirit crying Abba, the spirit that bears witness with our spirit, it's always been about coming into the reality of who we truly are. And to actually be fruitful and multiply and to, to, make, to bear fruit in the world, to actually release the light and love of God, doesn't come by working, it comes by rest. And there's nothing more at rest than being who you truly are because you're not having to try to be anything else. You're, being, you're just being. We're human beings. We're not doing anything but being who we've been created and called by God to be. And there's rest in that. Because then we're not trying to appear as anything or trying to recruit anything or trying to protect ourselves from anything. There, there's, there's none of that. The breastplate of righteousness, it's transparent. This, this armor is, is crystal clear, man. It is not some camo. It's not thick metal. You know what I mean? It is transparency. It is vulnerability. That is, that is a place of authority. It's the shadow of the Most High. And so here's... Here he's like, I'll put you in the shadow of the Most High. I'll stand you on this rock, the one I build my church. And as I go by, you can see my back, but that's it. And he does. And if you read Exodus 34, he goes and he proclaims the name of the Lord, this merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, slow to anger. You know, all these beautiful traits of who God is. Show me your glory. I'll tell you all the goodness of this, of this one that you are seeing. And then he was allowed to see his day just as Abraham saw his day and was glad. You know what I mean? But I'll show you my back. And 
you know, a lot of Jewish people might argue this, but on the Christian side of the tracks, I think we know what the back of God looks like. Right? He was crucified before the foundation of the world. We, we understand even what Peter prophesied, what, what Isaiah prophesied. The chastisement that brought us peace was on him. And with his wounds, the ones that were on his back, yeah, by his stripes we are healed. Peter said it really beautiful. Having died to sins that we might live to righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. You know what I'm saying? And I believe that Moses got to see this outside of time and space. And this God that he was afraid to follow, that he was getting to know, he got to see prophetically what he was going to be willing to go through to give us our inheritance. And it's like, okay, God, are, are you really going to lead me in truth and give me our inheritance? Or are you going to be like the mean, the mean weightlifting coach that wants to do it the hard way and wants me to learn bad lessons and fail just like my old sales training went through and, and you know, all, all these little things. And God shows them this is the glory of God. It's the nature of the goodness of God and the light of God. And this is what God's back looks like. So if you have any question of my desire to bring you into fullness, take a look at what I'm willing to go through for you. Now, do you still have questions? You know, because that's my heart. And so Jesus is coming back with his eyes glowing, these blue flames of fire, hair like wool, stars in his hands, all this stuff like that, you know, talking to John, saying, I am the amen. That Laodicean church, like they need to understand, I am the full agreement. If it's in me, you come into agreement with it and manifest it. Just like I told the Pharisees in Luke 17, the, the kingdom doesn't come with observation. It's on the inside of you. You know what I'm saying? We can have a worship night and pray for an outpouring of the Spirit. And God, please do what you said you were going to do. And the answer is like, hey, I did what I said I was going to do. And, I've, and, and Hebrews 10, like, I'm seated in heaven waiting for my enemies to be made my footstool. My legs are out. You've been empowered by my Spirit. And it's like, hey, the kingdom is within you all. Come into agreement. Anything you ask in my name, it's not about Cadillacs. Those are fine. It's not about, you know, a fancy Lexus or, you know what I mean, Bugattis or whatever. It's not about, like, ask for this and you receive it, have faith. It's, it's literally simply about agreeing with that which is in me on the earth. If it disagrees with heaven, it doesn't belong here. If, if it's bound there, then it should be bound here. You know? It's like, that's what faith is going to look like. You know? I'm the amen. I'm outside of time and space. None of it matters to me, and it shouldn't matter to you. Learn to train your minds. He's talking to these boys. Learn to train your minds to come into that which agrees inside of me till you manifest that reality on the earth. Learn to think outside of these fragments of times that we, that we, that we find ourselves living in and live on, live on another side of the tracks. You know, yeah. That question for the summer that we've talked about. What is your message? What is the message of your life? Because you don't have to really be talking to communicate. That's the thing about being a human. Even dogs are like that. You see the ears go back, see the ear goes forward, you see the tail wag, you know oh, you're happy right now. You're not telling me you're happy. It's like you can't help it. It's even more so with a human being, man. We are created in the image of God and we we bear fruit of the essence of the Lord in our life, in our nature, in our attitude, the way we talk to people, the way we relate to strangers, you know, the priorities of our life. 
He's called our lives to be messages. And he's called us all to be messengers. And the hidden key of all of that message is actually knowing him. We don't want to have glowing, glowing faces. You know what I mean? And scare people like Halloween masks. That's not what this was ever about. It was about radiating the nature of God, the glory of God, which is the goodness and the nature of God. And inside of that fruit is the place of authority. It is the, it is, it's the pocket that comes into agreement with the Father. Because the sons manifest the Father and the, and the daughters. You know what I'm saying? Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Separate from all that other stuff. Let us be the ambassadors of who you truly are. That's what that first line of that Lord's Prayer is. Let us be the true ambassadors. And let your kingdom come and your will be done on the earth through us. And let us eat the daily bread, the revelation, the connection, the communion with you. You know, yours is the kingdom and power forever. All righty. All right, well, Lord, we do thank you for this day. I thank you that your word is true. And that you are living and active. Your word is living and active on the inside of us all, Lord. Sharper than every, any two-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow, soul and spirit. Lord, I ask that even the aspects of our thoughts and our psyche that doesn't align with your true word would be severed from us. That we would think through the lens of hope and un this unlimited hope that you've released in this new covenant. That we would actually step into the family business in every single way you've called us to. And that even this time of year, this summertime, which is a great time for rest and, and a great time for like recharging for so many people, that we would that we would discover all that you have hidden for us in this season. And that we would bear the fruit of the kingdom in the here and now. That we would be those that are, are like the ones who find the treasure that's hidden in the field, which nobody saw. We would, we would find the pearls of great price. And um, that we would step into the life, the life flow of the Lord Jesus, the river of life coming out of us, through us. Amen.